And welcome in to this week's edition of Gator Bites here on the 1010XL.com podcast network. Also want to welcome those of you watching on Facebook on the uh, 1010XL Florida Gator Facebook page with Denny Thompson, the hacker Ryan Green with you. Glad you are with us. Denny, it's been a week. How have things been? Busy. It's been yeah. two weeks. It's been two weeks. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. been two weeks. You keep throwing me these curveballs. Yeah. Well, well, the Jaguar OTA is it's kind of in our schedule. I don't know. Uh, people, people may know this. You and I work about 10 hours different yeah. here in the building. Yeah. You know, I usually get in about 10 a.m., usually arrive about, you know, 8.39 p.m., so it's a little different. Yeah. Hard to coordinate schedules. Yeah, and then the OTAs have thrown us a curveball. OTAs That's have thrown us sure. a curveball. But yes. we've been watching a lot of Jawan Taylor, obviously, watching a lot of Taven Bryan. There's certainly a Gator fee, uh, flavor for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, the Florida Gators athletically over the last four or five days, one piece of good news and then obviously some bad news. We'll start with the bad it was unfortunate to see the softball in the way it did. Look, I'm not going to lie to you. I am not a diehard, passionate uh, softball fan. I am as bandwagon as the day is long. However, I do appreciate what Kelly Barnhill has done for the University of Florida, the pitcher for the softball team, one of the best softball players, if not the best softball player to ever go through the University of Florida. And it was tough to see her go out just getting shellacked like she did against Alabama. Alabama eliminates Florida 15-3. to in uh, Oklahoma City at the College World Series. You never want to see a great athlete like that end on such a sour note. No, you don't. I got nothing. I don't know even who that is. Oh, so you're not a softball guy? No. Really? Not even when they advance to the tournament Mm-mm. do well? I don't know that I've ever watched a Gator softball game in my life. Like I said, I don't watch a lot of regular season softball mm-hmm. by now any my, stretch of the imagination, but I do get into it when tournament time comes My around. mom and dad? Oh, I mean, they'll watch every game, even during the regular season. Yeah, see, like yeah. They, no, they they absolutely love it. My my, it's not. They play those games during the day a lot of times. Oh, they do. And yeah. nowadays, I'll, I'll, I'm going to make a confession. Like my sports consumption is at an all time low right now, because I work all day long and then I come in here at night. Yeah. And so what? Oh, you're a busy man. There's well, no, no doubt it's about just that. it's like I've noticed. I was actually telling some of our quarterbacks last night at our training, they were talking about the finals and all that. And I'm like, every time the finals is on, I'm on air. Yeah, I haven't like I, I watch so I gotta I gotta figure this out. I, I gotta watch more sports hack. You know who you're talking to, right? Hacker after dark for about two years. Yes, I, can I know. Totally right. I, I know. To you know what you know what I mean. And then yeah. so you add add like that daytime grind to it. Yeah, it's like you you come in there and it's on the TV, but you're not paying attention. Right. No, at it's, all. it's tough. It's tough. You know. So the softball team ends again. Kelly Barnhill, a great career at the University of Florida. Obviously, they came up short. UCLA winning. The national championship in girls softball. I like how you did that. One night ago, you're talking to Hacker after dark. Well, I'm just saying, I <laughs> I did it for two years. I'm very much aware of the evening grind. Um, the baseball team gets knocked out in the regional. I think it was great just for them to get in. It was the like the eighth straight year, I believe, they've made the the NCAA tournament. It was nice to get in. There was no expectation. The one thing I'll say, and I know what happens every year. I think I noticed it more this year because Florida was involved. When Florida and Army are playing in Lubbock, Texas, and there's 45 people in the stands, mm-hmm. maybe the NCAA needs to look at that a little bit. I, I was shocked at how few people were in attendance for these NCAA tournament games. Now, granted, I would imagine there's not a lot of rooting interest for the Gators or for Army in Lubbock, Texas, but the stadium was basically empty, and I thought that was a shame. Well, if you look at the way they've gone – Regional, super regional. I mean, it's obviously a TV contract play. Yeah. Right? That's that's what it is. They don't care how many people are in the stands. I mean, I, I think 
I actually like the way they do the baseball tournament. I think it's awesome. Um, I think it's – I like it. The structure of it I like more than even March Madness. Like, it's just – it's cool the way – the selection of it, and then you come out of that regional, and then you get kind of a, a best-of-three format. Like, I, I think the whole thing – I just – I think it's really well done. Oh, I no, no. Baseball's got it going and on the right path. Now, the one thing I will say about the disappointment in Florida, I'm with you, and we said on this podcast two weeks ago – that we didn't expect them to do anything, kind of like the basketball team, right, um, if they got in. That Florida State winning their regional kind of changed my tune. Is like, dang it, Florida. Well, it's interesting you say that. And by the way, I like the NCAA tournament too. I just think it's a shame when these young men do enough to earn a tournament spot and you're playing in front of 100 people at a tournament game. Maybe honestly, there's something though, they can look at Honestly, there. I don't think they even notice once the first pitch is thrown. Maybe not. I, I, no, I really don't. I, I don't think it's even something that – you obviously don't want to be playing in an empty crowd. But I, I think you're so focused on what you're doing that – and baseball has so few of those momentum, like I need crowd involvement. Like football and basketball, the crowd is a big part of it. Yeah. A big part. You know, I mean, occasionally in baseball, you know, two outs, full count, something like that. But but it's it's not – I don't think it's nearly the momentum builder or the, or the juice giver that you get in football or basketball. Well, let me ask you this. You mentioned Florida State advancing. Now, Florida State did knock out Georgia. Yeah. And not only did they knock them out, I mean, it was a TKO in round one. They yeah. obliterated Georgia in two games. So I'm sure Gator fans could at least appreciate that. I asked you one week ago, mm-hmm. if the Gators were out mm-hmm. and if Florida State advanced, mm-hmm. would there be any fiber of your being mm-hmm. rooting for Mike Martin? You told me no at the time. No, and I, I did still... not. No, I did not. I said hell no. Oh, you said hell no. Right. Yes. Okay. You were not rooting for Mike Martin. The sense I get, and it's a small sample size, it's my group of friends and one of my co-hosts on XL Primetime, Joe Coward, a Florida grad. I do get the vibe that maybe you're not rooting for Mike Martin, but the story would be appreciated if Mike Martin in his final go-around were able to get back to Omaha and somehow, some way, after four decades as a manager, win his first national title. I'm glad you feel that way. I don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't at all. I, I, are they at LSU? Yep, LSU, Baton Rouge. I hope LSU beats the brakes off of them. Wow. I hope, like, right. Mike Martin gets his worst loss in years. Hey, look, Gator fans don't have a lot of love loss for LSU either, by the way. I, not as much as FSU. Agreed. I mean, I, I, I just – I don't know. I don't get that. Like, Mike Martin has been around for a long time. He's been paid for his services. He's had plenty of opportunities. Like, this isn't one of those – Oh, let's get one in the last go-around. Like, bro, you've been coaching for 140 years. You should have done this before now. Let me give you an example. All right. When I first got into sports radio, this is going back, the ACC media days, if you will, ACC kickoff, it's expanded big time now. But ACC kickoff, actually, one year was out in Ponte Vedra at the Marriott, Sawgrass Marriott. And there were only two radio stations at ACC media days. This year, there'll be 20, 25 stations there. But there were only two stations. We were one of them. And in everything that had been built into my core as a sports fan from my family, I was programmed to hate Bobby Bowden. Mm-hmm. Programmed to hate Bobby Bowden. He's a cheater. He's awful. He does this. He does that. I heard from my dad, my uncles, my cousins, my brother, everybody that I was around my young life, what an awful person Bobby Bowden was. 19 years old. Might have been 18 at the time, actually. I had just started in sports radio. ACC Media Days. My job as an intern was to go get Bobby Bowden and the mm-hmm. Florida State SID to walk down the hall with me, 
to put him on the radio, I believe, Fran with Frangie at the time. It's the first time I ever met Bobby Bowden in my life. Now, keep on, I've been programmed to despise this man. The nicest human being I might have ever now, met. You're taking this wrong. I no, don't but, but, dislike but, 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 Mike Martin. But, no, but I, my point is, I think that sometimes people have blinders on so much when it's a rival. I don't want Florida State to win the national title. I'm not rooting for that. But would I like to see Mike Martin do well? Yeah, just like after that experience with Bobby Bowden, my opinion changed about him as well. I, I fully understand what you're saying and um, can appreciate what you're saying. As a guy who regularly gets cussed out by Florida fans being called a traitor. Oh, me? Uh, me. Oh, well, you all, I, I've lost my Florida card many times me. as well. So I understand over the quarterbacks that I train who are going well, to FSU yeah. in Georgia. Like I, I, I understand I understand what you're saying. And I don't I'm I am i am sure Mike Martin is a one of the best dudes ever. That's what I've heard. I've never met him. Bobby Bowden I have met and he is an amazing guy. Great guy. But they're still wearing their own colors. I don't like I don't get the whole Mike Martin sending him off on a high note thing when all I heard all year from FSU fans was he should have gone five years ago. He's holding the program down. He should have been out of here. And 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 he's been there so long, like if you wanted a feel-good story, he should have three national championships by now. Ooh. Yeah, I guess. That's one way to look at it. Uh, am I wrong? Like, I mean, they've had so much talent come through there, and they've been ranked number one so many times. Over the course of however long he's been there, he absolutely should have at least one. You could argue two, three, four, something like that. I mean, I, I don't – look, the guy fulfilled his career. He's had a great career, win or lose in Baton Rouge. He's, he's you know, one of the best – college baseball coaches ever probably the best and ever win a championship it is what it is well florida's out obviously dallas baptist by the way dallas baptist beats florida twice i get it but they're yes. they're a decent baseball they team. are very good although they, they had nothing for texas tech texas tech beat them i mean twice remember coastal well. carolina won the whole thing agreed it's ago. it's different i i do agree with that the gators are out young baseball team they will certainly grow i fully expect them to be back Next year, one more non-football related topic. Andrew Nemhard, uh, the point guard for the Gator basketball team, had a pretty good freshman year last season. He declared for the NBA draft. He did not hire representation. He basically wanted to kick the tires, mm-hmm. get some feedback from the league. Well, the feedback came back, I'm assuming negatively, because last week Andrew Nemhard announced he is coming back to the University of Florida for his sophomore year. By the way, great news for the Gators. Mm-hmm. Andrew Nemhard might have been their best player. He, along with Keontae Johnson, towards the end of the year, uh, with the great recruiting class Mike White has coming in, it would have been a shame to see Nemhard stay in the draft, maybe get taken late in the second round, end up in the D League or whatever. He, to my, in my opinion, you know, does the right thing, comes back to Florida, will be the starter on a team that I think could make some noise next basketball I, again, season. Again, I'm going to give the NCAA credit for this as well. This is another thing they're doing right. I wish they could figure this out in football. Let football players kind of kick the tires yeah. and get the reports back. Yeah, even, why don't they? Do you think? I, I I think it's probably more of there's so many that would, and you've got signing day and you've got spring practices. Well, you also all draft, that kind of stuff. You also draft 256 football players. Right. There are 60, 60 basketball 60, yeah. players that get drafted. Yeah. No. It's. I mean, I get it's a different thing. I wish there was some kind of like, um, um, I don't know, some time frame they could put on it to where, yeah, you can enter it and you can even do some interviews or maybe there's like an early combine or something along those lines. And, and you know, you can go through stuff like that because you're seeing a lot of guys never see a football field again yeah. um, after declaring early. So it's, 
it's great that he's coming back. I think I, I think it says more about just the process than it does anything else that the NCAA's put in basketball. This is Gator Bites on the 1010XL.com podcast network and on the 1010XL Florida Gator chair Facebook page. Not, not, don't like that chair? No, not at all. All right, well, we'll, we'll work on that for you. How about that? <laughs> That'll be my goal from today to next Wednesday uh, for all the 97 <laughs> chairs that are in this room. I will personally get you a new chair. I just feel like I'm constantly kind of – it's not really – it's like I'm getting a core workout here. Because it's not real stable. Well, two and a half months until the Gators take the field against Miami. Two and a half months. That's crazy, isn't it? It is crazy. It's It's kind of sneaking up on us as we're in the month of June. Heck, media days is next month, and the Gators begin practice, I want to say July 26th, because they have about a month before they take the field against Miami. Two thoughts here. We'll do one football topic each week leading into the season. Um, You have said many times, not only on Gator Bites, but also on the Sports Den, the award-winning Sports Den, which you can catch Monday through Friday nights on both 1010XL and 92.5 FM with Denny Thompson and big game James Coleman. You've said many times that you think Tennessee is the first real test for Florida. We'll get into Tennessee in later weeks. Let's focus on Miami right now. That's a huge slap in the face to any Hurricane fan that happens to be watching that you're not even giving them enough credit to say they're going to be a test for the Gators you don't think the Gators get truly tested until Tennessee? I don't think that's even – I don't think at any point in the Florida-Miami game is that a good game. I think Florida comes out and they start fast and they just run away with it. I, I don't even think it's one of these things where it's going to be a slugfest for a half and then the better team – Because I, you're I, high on Florida or I, low on Miami? Both. Both. Right. I, I mean, who's Miami's quarterback? Uh, well, I mean, you're, now you like Jaron Williams. He's and from what I'm hearing, he's not right. going to be the quarterback. So you get in Nikosi Perry or obviously Tate Martell. Either one of those scare you? I don't, I haven't seen as much of Martell as you have. No, it doesn't scare me. I, I just they're good. They're good at positions. Them being Miami, they're fast. That's all good. But I think the fact that you've got a guy coaching his first ever game, in in Manny Diaz, you've got a guy calling plays who hasn't called plays in the better part of a decade. Um, Dan Enos. Yep. They're big fans of yours still, right? Uh, another subject <laughs> for another day. Um, and and then on the other side, you've got a team coming in that ended the year with a ton of momentum with the Heisman Trophy candidate quarterback. Um, depth all over the place at the skill positions. Timeout. Nope, Timeout. I said it. I said it. Felipe and I'm Franks to... is a Heisman Trophy yes. candidate? Yes. Wow. Yes. All right, we'll get back to that He's, in a second. You've got depth at every position, best skill position grouping you've had since the Tebow era. How does that add up for anything other than just an absolute beatdown in the first game of the year? No, I, but but th- there you go. You just said it. The first game of the year. Mm-hmm. Both teams are going to have to work out quirks in the system. You know, obviously they're going to go through some growing pains. It's game number one. That Florida hasn't played a competitive football game since Michigan and Atlanta in there's December. There's one position on the entire field that I think there's going to be kinks to work out, and that's the offensive line, which is a big position. It's a big position. But now, Miami's when got I went, defense. When I went to the spring practices, man, I mean, my – I like their linebackers, man. Their linebackers, the Jacksonville kids, are good. They're good. Um, when I when I went to the spring practices at Florida, Florida looks like they're just picking up where they left off. Felipe's, I mean, dropping dimes all over the field. They've got receivers for days. They got now they got you know really good tight ends. They've got running backs. It's just it's not anything. I don't see any way, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful to Miami in saying this. I just don't see my. I see this being LSU last year. It's exactly what I see it being. All right. In November of 2018, Felipe Franks was benched 
for Kyle Trask. We, he was flat out. No, he was flat out benched. Kyle Trask gets hurt. Franks comes back in, has a great second half against South Carolina, just absolutely obliterates Florida State, does well against Michigan. But he was benched. Now, here you are, and I, dude, I trust your opinion about quarterbacks more than almost anybody because of what you do for a living and how long you've done it. You're sitting here saying on June, what is it, June 5th, Mm -hmm. that you think Felipe Franks is a Heisman Trophy candidate. Mm-hmm. A man that got benched in November of last year. What's interesting, the other night on the sports team, we actually did this thing where what would have happened if Trask wouldn't have gotten hurt? And you can make the argument that Felipe Franks would be somewhere else. Yeah, right? it would have transferred out probably. Right, and it probably would be Emory Jones. In my thought process going to Miami, it would be much different right now. Felipe, we've all had that point in our life where something happened that woke us up. You know, regardless of what it is. Something happened and you went, okay – I may be talented in this area, but I've got to make some serious changes if I'm going to do whatever it is, whether it's, you know, through marriage or work or whatever. Like all, most of us have it in all of them, mm. right? That's all that's happened here. It's called maturity. It's called Felipe going through. He's had He had a terrible coach before this one got there. He got terrible habits, and he's going through Dan Mullen's system, struggling a little bit. He probably realizes the Georgia game, he missed some big opportunities. Yeah, not only the coach, but all the noise in the system with the fans. The fans. He's being you, booed. Yeah. He's, it's like he's sulking a little bit, and then all of a sudden this happens, and he's thinking, well, I'm done. And then he gets a second chance. And that second chance, like he took full advantage of it. And then when I went to the practice, I sat here on this podcast um, in whenever we started it and said, I really thought in spring practice it was going to be a competition, that I wasn't sure Felipe was going to be the starter. I thought it was going to be Emory. Or Felipe. And I thought there was a chance Felipe could transfer. I was wrong. And I realized that about 10 minutes into the practice that I went to. Felipe's got 100% command of that offense, 100% command of that team, and the whole team loves him. Not to mention, he is insanely talented. Like, he's doing things now with his arm that I've not seen him do, including the last couple of games last year. Let me ask you this, and this was something we talked about on XL Primetime. Um, Other than Tua at Alabama, and Jake Fromm at Georgia. Is there a quarterback in the SEC you would rather have going into this year than Felipe Franks? No. Because I wasn't sure there was. Now, the only argument I could come up with, Kellen Mond at Texas A&M. He was the one in, in Bentley at South Carolina. And Bentley at South Carolina. The, the two of those popped into my head, but I think Felipe's ceiling is higher than either one of now, those. And, and the reason I stopped in the Heisman thing, look, I think Felipe Franks, for everything I've heard, Everything I've read, everybody I've talked to that's actually been there, including you, I think Franks is poised to have a very good year. But to say that he's going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the country, I'm going to pump the brakes on that a little bit. He played very well against Michigan using his legs. Mm -hmm. His numbers throwing the ball against Michigan, the last competitive game he played, were not great. They were average. Oh, they're average as average gets. Here's my theory on this, and this is just this no inside information. This is what I think. I think that Dan Mullen early in the year didn't know what he had. I think that Dan Mullen, when he was going to make that quarterback change and then realized he couldn't, also realized, okay, I got to figure out this Felipe Franks thing. I got to figure out what he's good at. And he did. And at that point in the, in, in the, in the process, it wasn't throwing the ball down the field. It wasn't having the ball in the air 40 times a game. It was more control passing and willing runner, as we heard him say all over the – I mean, what, every week yeah. he's a willing runner. I think now he's figured it out. I think Dan Mullen is an elite play caller. 
I think he develops quarterbacks. I, I think the world of Brian Johnson, who's a quarterback coach, I think he develops really well. Um, I think they've done a lot of work with Felipe off the field as well. And I just think you're going to see a different guy. I think I think when they roll into Orlando for Miami, you're going to see an offense that throw, like, wants to put the ball in the air 30 times, 35 times. And they've got the running backs to run it the other 30, 35 times. Because you get, you know, 70, 75 plays in a game in, in college. And your, your wide receivers, I mean, look, Van <laughs> Jefferson, Trevon Grimes, Tyree Cleveland. Dare I say, you look at trio of wide receivers. Kadarius Tony. Kadarius Tony as well, yeah. yeah. You look at actually four wide receiver sets. There's not many teams in the country that on paper have no. better wide receivers than Florida. No, and then you put in Lucas Kroll yeah. at tight end. And you've been high on him. I have. I mean, you've got really big-bodied guys. I like Kroll because he was a former baseball player. Yeah. Played, uh, Arkansas went there for baseball, so he's got some smarts to him. It's a different type of athlete. Plus, he's got some huge size. Yeah. No, I, I think it's – I think it sets up good. And the only reason why I say maybe even Kentucky, Tennessee, I think my I think Miami doesn't know what they're walking into. Florida does. Florida's got the experience factor. Miami's got LSU in the back of their head. Remember last year this time, everybody assumed Miami was going to roll LSU. Miami was the higher-ranked team, and LSU destroys them. That's a good point. I, 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 I just I think right now Florida's got everything going for it. Like, there's with the exception of maybe linebacker, they're better at every position. They're ten times better at the head coach. Like 10 times, it's not even close right now. Gator fans on the 1010XL Florida Gator Facebook page, what do you think? Is Felipe Franks, realistically, going to be a Heisman candidate this upcoming season? We'll take a little straw poll right here on the Facebook page, the Florida Gator Facebook page with 1010XL. Denny Thompson of the Sports Den, my favorite part of the week. What do you and Big Game James have coming up tonight? We the have a, the week? we actually have a lot planned um, this week. We're going to get into uh, no idea. <laughs> <laughs> you had me going there for a second. That's like, why, wait a second. You know, you just you guys show up, you throw stuff against the ball, and you you I open usually, the mics and have at it. I usually have to wake James up. He's yeah. usually asleep on the couch in your, in your office. Oh, nice. Yeah, so I have to wake it's a comfy him up. Couch. And, yeah, about. One of us has to do crosstalk with Rick, yep. and then we just roll, man. Well, we're not we're not the well-oiled machine that y'all are oh, on XL Primetime. Yeah. That's Denny Thompson. You get him in big game, James Coleman, on the sports den. You get me on XL Primetime alongside Joe Cowart, Leon Searcy, and Matt Hayes, noon to 3, uh, Monday through Friday, on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. We'll be back one week from today with another edition of Gator Bites. Denny, enjoyed it, my friend. Thanks, man.